Well, good morning, everyone. Man, I'm super excited to be with you this morning and to get a, an opportunity to share a message with you. And I want to start off by saying that I am far from being perfect, okay? Um, and so when I'm preaching this message, I'm, I'm preaching it with one finger pointed and then the other three coming back at me because I think this topic of words and what we're using our words with is one that we all have struggles with and we all uh, need, need work on. And so um, I think we all too could, could remember even back to middle school, high school, a time where a teacher or a coach or a parent even maybe said something that was super hurtful and it's maybe even stuck with you for a long time. And then similarly, you may have remembered something, somebody spoke to you that was positive, that spoke life and encouragement into your life. And so this morning, we're going to be talking about words, and it's a super broad topic, um, but we're going to kind of focus it and narrow it down onto a, a, a couple different things. Um, but we're going to start off in the beginning of the Bible, Genesis chapter 1. Um, I'm going to read some of it, uh, Genesis 1 and 2. Um, if you would like to read along with me, you are welcome to. Um, but in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. Verse 6, and God said, let there be a vault between the waters and separate the water from the water. Verse 9, and God said, let the water under the sky be gathered into one place and let the dry ground appear. And verse 11, and then God said, let the land produce vegetation. By the way, I'm skipping parts in between. But are, we get, are you guys getting the point here? God's saying a lot of stuff, right? Okay, 14, and God said, let there be light. And then verse 20, and God said, let the water stand. And verse 24, and God said, let the land produce. Verse 26, and God said, let us make mankind. Isn't it interesting that God chose to use the spoken word to make all of creation. I wonder if he was using English or not. Probably not, okay. But, um, but he spoke things and then they came into existence. He spoke things and they came into existence. He could have snapped his fingers and had the world come to be. He could have clapped his hands and had the world come to be. He could have like, you know, um, you know gone like this and waved a wand, magic wand, and had it come to be. But instead, he spoke and then things came to be. Another example of speaking things and having them come to be is the story of Jesus when he uh, first started his ministry. He was walking along the shores of, uh, of Galilee and, and um, he looks to see uh, Peter out in a boat and they've been out fishing all night. And you guys know the story, so I'm going to tell it fairly quickly, but um, they, they come back in and they haven't caught any fish. And Jesus says, go back out, throw your nets on the other side. And they go back out, they throw their nets on the other side, and they get this massive amount of fish. It was this amazing miracle. And they pull in the fish, and they, it was so big, it was like breaking their nets. And they get back to shore, and they say, who are you? And Jesus looks at them, and he says, you guys know what he says? He says, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Jesus spoke, and then it came to be. Jesus spoke, and then it came to be. Um, you might be sitting there going, well, this is great, Rob, but I'm not God, and I'm not Jesus, and when I speak, I'm like, okay, there will be a million dollars that will appear. Wouldn't that be cool if I had a magic trick set up and it actually happened? That would be awesome, but I don't, okay. Um, that would be kids' church, and we're not in kids' church. So, um, but when you speak... You have the power of God to have things come to be. And how do I know that? I know it from Romans 8:11. It says, The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies 
by the same spirit living within you. The same power that rose Jesus from the dead lives inside of us. Is that not exciting this morning? That's something we should be getting jazzed about. That the same power that took someone that was dead, that was God that was dead and raised him to life, lives inside of us. And so when God spoke and the world became into existence, when Jesus spoke and the disciples followed him, the cool thing with this next story is that it's about not God, it's not about Jesus, it's about a regular old person, human being, normal dude. Peter, Acts chapter 3, one of my favorite stories in all of scripture. We're going to read it together. If you'd like to read with me, you're welcome to. Acts 3, on the, one day Peter and John were going up to the temple at a time of prayer at three in the afternoon. Now a man was lame from birth and was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave him his attention, expecting to get something from them. He was probably expecting money. And then I, I, love, I love what Peter says here. Peter says, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Whoa, that's bold. Okay, that's really bold. I don't know if you know somebody that has a, has a physical um, ailment and can't, they can't walk, but I, I, I couldn't imagine going up to someone in a wheelchair and being like, Get up and walk. They'd probably be like, uh, do you see that I'm not able to? <laughs> but, but Peter, I think, was walking in the Holy Spirit in this story. I think God was speaking to him in this story, and he gave him the boldness in this story so that he went up to him, and he spoke words, and then I love what happens here. Okay? It wasn't like the million dollars on the stage. What ends up happening in the story is, is super cool. Peter said, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, And instantly, the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with him into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. The same power that rose Jesus from the dead is inside of you. And your words are so powerful. Just like God spoke and the world came into existence, Jesus spoke and the disciples followed him. There's, there's hundreds of other examples of this in scripture. But similarly, when Peter spoke and then the man physically gets up and walked, I want to ask you the question this morning, what are you saying in your life? What, thing, what words are you speaking about your family? What words are you speaking about your job? What words are you speaking about your church? Because you have the power to either speak life or to speak death. And so this morning we're going to be talking about it. We're going to be diving into it. There's, I think we could all agree that words and controlling our, our tongue is extremely challenging and difficult. Okay, It's very difficult. And what I love about scriptures when we open it up, when we read it, God sometimes just brings to light things that we're like, yeah, I totally, absolutely. And so there's an example of this in James 3, 2 through 10. Um, it talks about the tongue. And, and anyone who is... Never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. Essentially what he's saying here is if you can control your mouth, you're a perfect person. No one's going to be able to say they can do that, okay? Because this next verse says, we put bits into mouths of horses to make them obey us. We can turn the whole animal or we can take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder. 
wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. He doesn't like the tongue very much. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and itself is set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is restless evil, full of deadly poison. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. So this is pretty obvious. It says no one's, no one's perfect when it comes to the tongue. The tongue is super powerful like we just talked about. I mean, it can start a massive forest fire. And sometimes you say a word and then it just erupts and goes. We've all been there before. But today I want to talk about four ways that we use words to hurt people. And, and then to kind of help give some solutions to how we can be better with that. And, and this, this might be, you might be like, you know, I want, I want to be here. I want to encourage you and and. and and help you be better, but at the same time, there might be the Holy Spirit might be here and might convict some of us. Because I know even as I was preparing the sermon, it's convicting me a little bit as well. Um, and so the first one I want to talk about is complaining. Okay, complaining. And as you look up at the screen, there's the the Red Hawks logo. Okay, and when when they first announced that. The, the school was changing. If those of you that don't know, South Albany High School used to be called the Rebels, and they had to change their name because they were the um, Confederate Rebels, and they had the Rebel, you know, Confederates, so they had to change it. And I went to South Albany High School. Any South Albany High School people? Okay, South Albany people. And, man, I was a rebel, man. I was rebel proud. We went to the Rebel Pep Assemblies, and so when they said they were changing the name, I'm like, what? Like, just get rid of the Confederate guy and then make it like Star Wars Rebel Alliance or like, you know, do something different with, but keep the, the logo mascot. And I started, I started catching myself complaining and starting to complain and complain, complain. And then uh, Joe up in the back, he, uh, he comes to me and he's like, yeah, we're, we're thinking about changing the name to the Nighthawks. And I'm like, the Nighthawks? Are you kidding me? That's such a stupid name. And I started, Joe, Joe testified. I started complaining, 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 complaining. And then... A couple weeks later, I get on Facebook. How many of you know that complaining happens on Facebook? Okay. Oh, boy. Um, I get on Facebook, and I see that they posted their new, new name as the Red Hawks. Okay. And I started reading some of the comments, and it was negative, 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 complaining, complaining, complaining. And I was convicted. God was like, why are you complaining about this? You should just be happy. And, 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 change it. and change is hard, change is difficult, but I was like, okay, I need to change my perspective on this. And so I said, I'm going to type in there, go Red Hawks. And from then on, I'm like, sweet, Red Hawks, new name. Because guess what? I can't do anything to change it, really. There's nothing I can really do to change it. I like this quote from Craig Rochelle. It says, if you can't change it, change your perspective of it. If you can't change it, Change your perspective of it. And so let's read this verse. This verse is super convicting for me. It's Philippians 2. It says, do everything without grumbling or arguing. First, it's Philippians 2.14. Do everything without grumbling and arguing so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like the stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. 
you might be sitting there going, oh, but Pastor Rob, you don't know, you don't know my boss, which I don't. And you might be like, I have a reason to complain. He's terrible. By the way, Kelly's an awesome boss. But you might be sitting there going, you don't know my wife. She's just, whoa, you don't know my wife. You might be going, you don't know my kids. You don't know my situation. And I'm telling you, I don't, okay? But you only have two options. You can either change the situation or you can change your perspective of the situation. An example, Paul wrote half the New Testament. Awesome guy. Finds himself in prison, okay, on death row. He's going to die. And he's a couple options. One, well, really, you do have three options. One is to complain. And he could have sat and wrote us letters of complaining. You know, the stink in here is terrible. He could have said, my hands hurt from being locked up. You could say, the food is really awful and miserable. But instead, what does he write? He says, rejoice. And let's give thanks in every situation. And you're going, how, how can you say that? You're in prison. I can tell you right now, if I was in prison and I didn't do anything wrong except you know, talk about Jesus, I would be really complaining, okay? But Paul is like, no, we can, we can, we can rejoice. And so really, he, Paul can't change his circumstances. He can't change the fact that he's in prison. But what he can do is he can change his perspective. And so instead of looking at it like, oh, no, I'm in prison, he looks at it like I have an opportunity to share my faith with the prison guard. And guess what? He shares his faith with the prison guard. The prison guard accepts Jesus. And so I don't know what your situation is this morning, but I can tell you right now, complaining ain't going to fix it. Okay, you can change your situation, go get a new job. Okay, I mean, you can go to marriage counseling, you can do, I mean, there's a lot of things you can do to help change the situation, or you can change your perspective. The way to avoid complaining is also to speak words of thanks. Words of thanks and just say, man, what am I grateful for? What am I thankful for? And that's what a lot what Paul did in prison as well. My next point is criticizing. A lot of times with our words, we, we use them to criticize and hurt other people with the way people dress, the way they talk, the way they walk, the way they pray. Does anybody know Tim Hawkins, the comedian? Tim Hawkins, Christian comedian. Okay, He, he is really funny. And honestly, um, a lot of the comedy, it's hard because when you, most comedy is either criticizing yourself or someone else. And so he does a little, uh, a little funny joke, and I'll, I'll tell the little joke and won't do it as good as he does. But he's, he's like, why during prayer do people pray for a hedge of protection? Because for years, people have been praying, I just pray for a hedge of protection around this person. He's like, he's like, I picture just this little like shrubbery that they're praying for around the person. And he's like, why don't they pray for a brick wall or like a steel wall around a person? But, but, and so, so a lot of times, com- it's, uh, criticizing, it's, it's funny. And really, a lot of times, though, it's not super funny for the person that actually prays hedge of protection. So I'm sorry if I offended anybody with that. But, um, but comedy is a lot of times is that. And so there, there, is, there is a certain time to criticize as well as when I was a teacher, um, I would teach students how to critically think and critically analyze situations. And there's a difference between that and criticizing. And I think that your heart is a big, um, big factor of why are you criticizing this person? Why are you making these comments? And so you have to analyze your heart. But um, I love this, how... how Matthew puts it in Matthew 7. It says, Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, Let me take that speck out of your eye, when at the same time there is a plank in 
your own eye. You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. I love when Jesus um, is being tested by the religious leaders. The, the religious leaders have a, a woman who's caught in adultery, and she's brought before Jesus, and they're trying, the religious leaders are trying to trap Jesus, and they say, this woman was caught in adultery, and out of anybody in, in the world to criticize, she's probably it. Okay, she's probably like the worst of the worst, and you could just criticize her up and down. And, and they say, the law says we need to stone her. What do you say, Jesus? And Jesus says, he kind of kneels down, writes in the sand a little bit, and then he says, he without sin, throw the first stone. And then slowly, everyone left, and he says, where are your accusers? And she says, there are none. And he says, neither do I accuse you. Go and sin no more. And so I love that example of how Jesus shows love to that woman who really could have been criticized, okay? She could have been um, criticized, but instead he says, where are your accusers? And I think a lot of times um, it's so easy to like take the, look at the speck in their eye when I, I've got a huge old plank in my own. It's so easy to do that. And so how do we, how do we get better at that? I think the, the way we can avoid criticizing is to speak genuine words of hope and also offer assistance. Are you, are you saying that something about that person because you want to make yourself feel better, you want to be funny, or are you actually trying to help that person? And that's a hard issue. And so and when, you, when you come to somebody that, that maybe you could criticize, are you saying, man, how can, I, how can I offer this person hope? Okay. My third point this morning is lying. Ooh, this is a big one. Like, I could spend the whole morning on lying. And I, and I started off, and I'm like, you know what, this is a good one, because I'm, I'm pretty good with this one. I don't really lie a whole lot, is kind of my thought. And then I started studying it, and I'm going, oh, boy. This is a bigger topic than I thought, right? And so um, you might be sitting there in the same boat going, you know, oh, good. Uh, this one I've got in the bag, or, you know, I've, I don't need to work on this one. But, man, I'm sure glad that person's here to hear this message, or I'm sure glad that person. Okay, um, don't do that. Think about self-reflection. Okay, here we go. So there's a lot of different types of lies. There's white lies. There's compulsive lying. There's broken promises. There's the lie of fabrication. There's the bold face lie. There's the lying and exaggeration. There's lie of deception. There's plagiarism. By the way, I got this from hopeline.com. And I got a lot of this from Craig Rochelle in his sermon series. Um, and there's compulsive lying. And so there's a lot of different types of lying. And so I, I think when I look at this, I'm like, yeah, I don't really boldface lie to people's face. But one thing that I've been known to do um, is to lie to try to help other people feel better. And so here's an example. When I was in, in high school, I led worship for the middle school group. And we had a middle school girl say she wanted to sing on the worship team. And I was like, well, that's great. You know, let's have you come sing. And she starts singing. And I was like, oh, boy. It was not good. And so instead of having a truthful, honest conversation with her, what did I do? Let's just turn her down in the mains and have her in, on in the monitors so she thinks she's singing but no one can hear her, right? Because that's my loving personality. I don't want to offend her. I don't want to make her mad. I don't want to have that hard conversation. And so what ended up happening, though, was that she went to her middle school and she signed up for the talent show. And she sings in her school talent show and gets brutally bullied and teased the whole rest of the school year. Because I lied. And I could have sat her down and said, hey, you know, there's other ways that, that God wants to use you in our youth group. 
and, but singing just, you're not, you're not gifted in that way. Where else can God use you? And, and that hard conversation is very difficult to have, but at the same time, if you don't have it, it's still lying. And there's so many versions of lying, okay? We're all, we're all culprits of this. I could go on and on and on and on and on. But I want, I want to bring to light the fact that when we lie, we are speaking the devil's language, okay? The devil is the father of lies, and he will tell you lies all the time. And I had, if I had more time, I'd go into the fact that, that constantly there's this positive and self-talk that's happening where the devil's lying to you, and you, you can't listen to the devil's lies. You have to replace that with the truth. And so um, in John 8, 44, it says, he was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. And so how do we avoid lying? Well, first, we, we need the Holy Spirit to help us. We need to be aware of it. But also, we need to tell the truth in love. And we need to speak the truth. We need to speak the truth. And we need to constantly combat the enemy by replacing that with the truth. Speak truth to yourself. Speak truth about your family. Speak truth about your church, about your kids, about your life. Don't let the enemy attack you and start speaking lies to you. Okay? Protect that. Guard that. Don't just say, oh, it's just a white lie. Oh, it's just a little lie. Oh, I'm just trying to help the person. No. Tell the truth, even when it may be hard or difficult or challenging. My fourth point today is gossiping. And we have a, have a quick video here to intro that point. So it's kind of a funny little uh, little um, car, uh, commercial there to just kind of intro this point of gossip and this go- this point of gossip it's a big one and it's it's a it's a lot to to unpack here but it's kind of like that kids telephone game you know you've probably seen it played before where the kid says a sentence and they go around in a circle and then by the time it gets back to the person it's totally different and wrong and so um, gossip is talked about a lot in the Bible it's talked a lot in, about in Scripture and um, there's a reason for it. And um, gossip, I, I define gossip as talking negatively about someone when that person isn't present in the room. And this is, I mean, there's a difference. I mean, certain times where I'll have students come up to me and be like, you know, hey, that person did this and you need to be aware of it. That's a little different because they're coming to authority. They're not trying to gossip unless they are just making it up and they didn't do it, which happens sometimes. But, um, but there's a difference between, um, you know, a, a job interview where two people are talking about the person they just interviewed and they're talking negatively about the person. But I think for the most part, we understand what gossip is. We know what gossip is. It's talking negatively about somebody when they're not in the room. And this is, I would say, out of the, the four things I mentioned today, this is probably the most addicting of the four. I mean, lying is, is addiction, too, for some people. But, like, gossip, it's like when someone starts to say something about somebody, you're like, tell me more. Tell me more. Tell me more. I want to know. What did they do? You know, and you get, a, I mean, it's, it's, it's an addiction, and it's, it's hard and difficult. And that's where you have to say, you're talking about them. I don't want to hear about it. And similarly, when you're talking gossip, you know, you got to make sure that everything you're saying, what if the person was in the room right now? Because I can tell you most of the time, it will come back around to them. Might take a year, might take a half, you know, a month or whatever. But when you're talking bad about people, most of the time it comes back around to them. And guess what? It's not usually what you said, right? Usually it's worse or usually it's different or it's changed and it's been morphed. And so if you have a problem with somebody, go up to the person and tell them you got a problem with them in love, okay? (laughs) In love. Don't forget that part. But gossip, 
it hurts the person that is being gossiped about. Okay, but gossip also hurts the person that's listening to the gossip, and gossip also hurts the person that's speaking the gossip. And so gossip, if you want to know more about gossip, I encourage you, go to Google, type in gossip in the Bible, and you will find a ton of good verses about it. But we're going to keep moving on this morning because we're running low on time. But I love this, this line. It says, gossip claims I am strong because they are weak, but the gospel proclaims I am weak, but he is strong. So to avoid gossip this week, ask God to help you speak kind words about other people. Help, ask God to help you refrain from talking negatively about other people. In the conclusion, there is a lot of power in what we say. You can lift people up with your words this week or you can take people down. Remember, God spoke and it came to be. Jesus spoke and it came to be. Peter spoke and it came to be. What things do you want to speak into your marriage this week? What things do you want to speak into your children's life this week? What things do you want to speak into your job this week? Nobody is perfect. We all struggle constantly with complaining, criticizing, lying, and gossiping. But I can tell you this morning that there is hope. The way to avoid complaining is to speak words of thanks. The way to avoid criticizing is to speak genuine words of hope and offer assistance. The way to avoid lying is to speak truth and love. And to avoid gossip this week, I'll ask God to help you speak kind words about other people. Guys, God is the one that can give us the strength to do the right thing this week. Amen? Amen. And the cool thing is, too, is that this, that we're, you know, saying the perfect things doesn't get you to heaven. Okay, it's not what gets you to heaven. That's, it's, it's, we're not, it's not based on what you do. It's based on what God did for you. And so I want to read this verse as we close. It says, if you declare with your mouth, going back to the whole speaking things out, right? If you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, everybody say that on the count of three. One, two, three. Jesus is Lord. Let's say it again. One, two, three. Jesus is Lord. And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. Let's go ahead and bow our heads, close our eyes. If this morning as I was talking, um, maybe as I was, as I was speaking, you were feeling the, the conviction of the Holy Spirit to say, yeah, you know what, maybe, maybe I need to use my words a little better this week. Maybe I need to not gossip or complain or, or um, lie. And maybe that was you. If, if that was you, just go ahead and slip up your hand. Okay, I think a lot of us could be putting our hands up. Excellent. You can put your hands down. I'm going to pray for you. God, we thank you so much this morning for what you did for us on that cross. God, I thank you that we don't have to work our way to salvation. We don't have to work our way to heaven, but it's a free gift that you give us. But God, at the same time, we want to be the best people we can be. And God, we don't want to hurt people that are around us with our words especially. God, we thank you for the power that you have given us in those words. We thank you that the same power that rose Jesus from the dead lives inside of us. And God, I pray for, for this congregation, for the people that rose their hands this, this week. God, I pray for your supernatural power to come upon them right now. And God, I pray that this week they would be able to um, speak positive words into people's life. God, I pray that the, the, those negative things that we talked about, God, that they would, they would continue to work on, each, on one of those. I know we're all different. We're all in a different place. But God, I know that we all could improve. And, and so God, we just, just pray for that in your name. God, we pray that we wouldn't hurt other people with our words, that we'd, we'd lift them up. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you.